Hello, this is Kyle, and um, we've had a bit of a problem with the recording from our 12th session of the Brain of the Firm Reading Group of General Intellect Unit. And um, essentially, I took on too many duties at once. I didn't have enough variety to deal with the tasks uh, assigned to me uh, by myself. Uh, I was working as the facilitator, uh, the timekeeper, and also the recorder. Um, and OBS uh, decided to reset its settings uh, spontaneously, uh, and that meant that our audio was lost from last session. Now, um, I have written up some notes about what we discussed, uh, and I will just go over those uh, briefly. Uh, so in uh, chapter 11, uh, it is the first chapter of section three. Um, and basically I would say, uh, and there was a general sort of consensus about this, it's not a particularly well-written chapter. Uh, it has two highly distinct sections, which maybe should have been separate chapters. Uh, and there's a number of sort of unclear points in here. Uh, but thankfully, through a good deal of discussion, we were able to clarify uh, what some of those points were. Uh, so to get into it, um, Beer starts out by sort of presenting the VSM as a diagnostic tool more than a ready-made organizational solution. Um, it is the case, uh, according to him, that all viable organizations are really something like the VSM already. Uh, there may be some sort of simplifications or elaborations that's necessary to describe them, but more or less the principles of viability are encoded in the VSM. Uh, and so you're going to sort of go around to different viable organizations and find that they more or less overlap with what it describes. Um, the VSM is primarily used in its uh, capacity as a d diagnostic tool to compare the ostensible structure of an organization, so what you might see on an org chart, uh, with how it actually works, and then to see how its actual functioning uh, falls short of viability and maybe how that org chart uh, setup is interfering with viability. Um, he goes on to say that many organizations have sort of an infinite regress of responsibilities, um, especially in areas that are nebulously defined, such as system two coordination. So, uh, well, that was a point we added in discussion, but uh, essentially what he's talking about is like, oh, that's not my job, that's someone else's job. And you go talk to the someone else and they say, oh, it's someone else's job. And you get into that kind of familiar bureaucratic mess of uh, being told to go hither and thither uh, just to uh, get something done. Uh, and that sort of is endemic to a lot of organizations. Um, in this section, Beer sort of points out that System 2 and System 4 are the ones where um, failure is most likely to occur. And um, members of the, the group sort of d discussed how that has something to do with their lack of immediacy. Um, it's kind of nebulous, like coordination is kind of nebulous. Uh, and 
um, dealing with uh, the future or deciding what needs to get through to System 5 um, and, and filtering directives is also kind of a nebulous thing. Uh, we've discussed earlier how System 4 itself is maybe a little bit uh, confusing in its definition because it seems to operate in two senses. Now, um, getting into it a bit more, uh, figure 27, the big sort of VSM chart in this chapter, is of central importance to it, but uh, it's really poorly laid out and it's also poorly described. Uh, so there's there's some sections of this chapter that are quite confusing, um, and partially that's because figure 27 is not a very good diagram. Now, fortunately, uh, Beer recognized this deficiency. In fact, uh, he, um, up until his death, continued to try to revise the VSM's presentation because he was continuously sort of like frustrated with how it was being presented and its inadequacies. Um, as a as a as a diagram, um, but if you want to look at the more uh, up to date version of the VSM, uh, you can just go and search uh, on Wikipedia for the VSM, and there is a diagram there which is based on Beer's sort of later formulation of what it is, and it's a lot easier to understand than Figure Twenty Seven. So please refer to that um, instead of referring to Figure Twenty Seven. Um, so then we see this uh, description of recursion, uh, so sort of nested VSMs. Um, and Beer's description here really doesn't make sense in kind of just the most basic logical way. Um, it violates the law of the excluded middle because it suggests that the, the VSM uh, at a lower level of recursion, both is and is not within uh, that circle you see on the diagram. Uh, so it's really, really confusing and not helpful at all. Uh, again, if we look at the Wikipedia diagram, um, we can kind of get a better sense of what he was trying to express, uh, even though the passage there is actually nonsense. Um, so you can see in the uh, Wikipedia diagram that at each level of recursion, uh, you go down. Uh, the diagram rotates, uh, so it kind of moves in a spiral uh, movement inward. Um, you know, you can only see like, I don't know, what is it, three levels of recursion on the diagram, but you can presume that goes on infinitely downward. Um, uh, so what uh, was system 1 to level N is now a full VSM to system at uh, level N minus 1. So you go down that one level and you can see that, oh, actually system 1 is an entire VSM in itself. Uh, and then recursion in that, you can see the system 1 of system 1 is also another uh, VSM. Uh for, um, excuse me, so unlike what Beer says earlier in Brain of the Firm, uh, System 1 is not simply the interface with what's in the circle or what's at n minus 1. Um, it's both the box on the Wikipedia diagram 
which handles the relationship to other systems and the VSM inside the circle at n minus one. Um, so there's a kind of chaining that's happening here uh, between the higher level n and the lower level n minus one. Um, for any given VSM, uh, the organization only needs to understand its own level of recursion, that is n, uh, and the levels given, uh, or sorry, the levels directly above it and below it. So that would be n plus one and n minus one. Uh, it's immediate neighbors. Anything beyond that is of limited re uh, relevance, except insofar as system five directives come down to it. So. Uh, maybe you have a system five directive coming from like N plus four. Um, you don't really know much of anything about that level, but the system five directives are still traveling downward. Uh, so for example, um, if you think about the way in which stay at home orders uh, during COVID uh, have been sent from the global governance level uh, all the way down to the individual you can see kind of what they mean by system five instructions coming all the way down many, many levels of recursion. Um, so similarly, uh, the model is uh, perfectly general. Um, it's not meant to describe any one level of recursion. It's not like, oh, this is the level of municipal government and then national government is a completely different thing. Uh, no, it, it will apply exactly the same way to every level of recursion. Um, and the idea that levels above and below are, uh, are inherently different, um, that idea is a kind of a managerial superstition. Um, it's a superstition created by perspective. Uh, you kind of impute uh, qualities to the level above you and the level below you um, that are not there in uh, the strict sense of sort of like cybernetic organization. Um, they're actually all the same all the way up and all the way down. Uh, there's sort of psychological stuff that Beer gestures to, which may be different, um, but uh, as far as this sort of like cybernetic analysis goes, there's really no difference. Um, and th this is something you can kind of see um, in the way in which like, you know, very, very rich people still consider themselves to not really be the top dog because there's always someone above them and always someone below them. Uh, and so, you know, there's those famous studies about how uh, after a certain point, uh, you can continue. You continue to get richer, and it doesn't really bring you any more happiness because your relative position is basically the same. Um, all right. So then we move on to notes on the divisional role in corporate organization. Um, so we see that uh, the division is essentially autonomous, uh, meaning it can more or less do what it likes. Uh, but uh, what are the limitations on that autonomy? Um, so Beer says it must continue to belong to the organism. Uh, and this means that uh, there's three points here. It must operate with the intention of the whole organism. It must operate within the coordinating framework of system two. And it must submit to the automatic control of system three itself. 
so we only got to discuss point one, uh, and I'll just go into that. Uh, so regarding point one, uh, divisions or systems one should participate in the formation of system five policy, uh, Beer says. Uh, however, uh, divisions lack the meta language necessary to express, uh, let alone fully comprehend system five concerns. So we, we got into that earlier discussion in, I believe, section one about meta languages um, and sort of their uh, inco incompatibility. Um, and the sense of this is that, like, if you are a system one, you can't even really articulate what system five concerns are. So you certainly don't have the uh, competence to um, make those kinds of decisions. Uh, and Beer says that this means that system one should identify themselves with the corporate enterprise so that the whole system can be viable. And what I mean, what I take Beer's meaning to be here is that um, if you are operating at the level of system one, you're primarily concerned with the particular interests of your system, right? Uh, but if you're operating at the system five level, you're concerned only with sort of like general policy uh, and you have very little uh, in common with the system one concerns. Um, so you need to either have um, a clear switch between uh, system one duties and system five duties, uh, or you need to have separate personnel to do those. But Beer seems to say that like, yeah, systems one should be involved in system five formulation, but he doesn't spell out what that looks like here. Um, so of course, many systems one do not uh, obey uh, the vertical instructions of system five. Uh, they don't identify themselves with the corporate enterprise. Um, and um, how can they disobey in that case? Because obviously that's a, a serious question. Uh, so the example we kind of used here was that of the Seattle or NYPD uh, as being system one or divisions, uh, which are uh, kind of operating parasitically and are not interested in following uh, the interests of the corporate enterprise. Um, so things they can do uh, is they the system one can obey vertical instructions from system five to a lesser rather than greater extent. Uh, so you can basically not listen. So for example, when uh, the city of Seattle said uh, no tear gas for 30 days and the police said, well, we didn't hear that, we don't give a shit. Um, that would be an example of that. Uh, the second way they could disobey uh, is to express express pleasure or pain uh, to do with its instructives instructions to System Five by way of the System Four filter. Uh, so again, this would be sort of like complaints or threats to the mayor uh, or the the city council. Um, and then we have uh, making autonomic reports to System Three. And if we're thinking in terms of the PD, uh, this would be something that's not like publicly visible to us, right? Because it's just the internal bureaucracy of the city. Uh, but it would be, you know, papers filed and 
complaints made and arguments had and all that kind of thing within the bureaucracy. <clears throat> so um, while System 1 uh, should participate in the formation of System 5 policy, uh, Beer, sort of in this trouble point section, uh, says that uh, System 5 personnel should be distinct from System 1 because it is too easy to confuse the two roles with one another. Uh, so this confusion is a major source of bureaucratic problems. Uh, and Beer here makes a, an appeal to human nature um, in that it's, it's very difficult to disentangle those roles from each other entirely in one head. Um, but... Uh, you know, this could maybe be ameliorated through like the use of sort of like rituals to remind people of whose interests they're operating in that maybe could help. I don't know. Um, Beer may sort of have different opinions about this later on, because like, you know, when when Beer was talking to President Allende uh, in Chile and he said uh, to the president that the president would be system five, um the president said, no, it was the people. The people would need to be System 5. Um, and in that case, you know, there's some kind of confusion of levels, uh, perhaps, uh, that really needs to be thought about in terms of co uh, cooperative organization um, and kind of mutualism and, uh, you know, communist projects. Uh, because if, if what Beer is saying is like an absolute fact, then you're going to inherently have a managerial class that is distinct from everyone else. So I don't know if Beer came around on this, and it's something I'm interested to, to hear some more about. Um, now, in terms of how this, this kind of problem manifests itself, which Beer says, you know, is like one of the most prolific problems in, in bureaucracy... Um, it's very familiar uh, to have someone who is operating as a division chief and then is also sitting on the board. Um, so we had one person in the group describe how uh, when working in a, in a ministry, um, she had the, the minister uh, uh, sort of say, you know, what kind of idiot wrote this, this policy? Uh, and then it turned out that it was actually the minister operating in his system five capacity uh who wrote the policy which he later went on to uh attack in his system one capacity so you can see that even the same person can end up at odds with themselves uh in this kind of bind and uh if that's the case then it's bound to be even more so uh at the organizational level so that's uh, pretty much what we discussed. Uh, some people expressed a certain amount of um, dismay that they'd gotten to the meat of the book and it was still uh, quite, you know, the, the kind of understanding, practical understanding sort of remained elusive. Uh, but I do believe there's some interesting stuff in here, useful stuff in here about like what are the sort of pain points you want to look for in an organization um, and hopefully next time uh, we'll have a proper recording for you to listen to. Um, and uh, yeah, that will be uh, our conclusion of chapter 11. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, goodbye.